Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. More V Show with Bob Valvano is now right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. V Show rolling along here on ESPN 680 105.7. Just a reminder tonight, high school hour, 6 p.m. right here on ESPN 680 105.7. Then over on the 93.9 The Bill side, we will have Louisville Sports Live, Ethan Moore, Taylor Lynch, 7 p.m. over there. And then Kentucky Basketball Post Game Show. Uh, 10 p.m. here on ESPN 680 uh after the Cats and uh, Florida State. So I don't know what it was there. for, but Ethan Moore was getting some uh, some love for him talking about teaching or like all the teachers around the state. I guess I don't know. I oh yeah, I'm he, not familiar with Ethan, so I'm sorry if I'm like putting dirt on his name. I'm do- no, 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 not not at all. I think he, he's he, getting a lot of love though. Yeah, I he, love. I like that. I like that. He was at he w- went somewhere and was speaking I think at some some event. I feel bad. I I should know this, but I know um they talked about it on uh, the round table with uh, Round Daddy. But no. Uh Ethan Moore, a teacher first and a great ESPN Louisville personality second. Um but yeah, I forgot where he was. He was at some some event talking about something. Um, uh, involving education. I feel bad. Ethan, if you're listening, I apologize, my friend. I forgot exactly where it was. A couple of texts to get to here. 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line. Um, this texter says, uh, as I refresh it here, uh, 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line, Nick wants year three of Kenny Payne so bad. I don't necessarily want that. I want their... <laughs> I love Kenny Payne. I do. If it was working out, I would 100%. Even if there was a chance that it was working out, I would probably lean that way. But unfortunately, it seems like a lot of the blooms off the rose, and I'm not sure there's enough goodwill that he can deposit, whether it be on the recruiting tra- trail or within the remaining games, for it to really be a good decision Forget about emotion, just financially. I don't know if it'd be a good decision for year three. Um, this guy says, scratch Dusty May off. He's IU bound whenever uh, Woodson leaves. Um, I don't know about that. We'll, we, we'll see. I know uh, some of the uh, bloom has gone off his rose as uh, FAU has not exactly had the uh, success that they've had um, in last year. Uh, 4379680 UPS Jobs text line. Um, this texter says, I wish you folks would go on threads. X is a mess and I hate it now. We get that text all the time on the Sunday show, and it may be the same person. I don't. I, I've never. I, I. I don't. I've never done Threads. What is Threads? It's the Instagram it's the version Instagram. of it. Yeah, it's. Oh. I, I can't take on another thing, and I know it, if I could switch everything over to Threads, 
Yeah, but I'm not starting over again. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't even want to be on Instagram really. But Jeanette made me go on Instagram. So um. Instagram's nice from the standpoint of I have so many humble brag friends on Facebook, and I'm rarely on there. And so many people have gotten married and or changed their name and or have tried to sell me their uh, rap albums and things like that that I went to middle school or high school with that usually copied off me in chemistry and had a lot of opinionates <laughs> about like COVID and stuff like that. That I'm just like, okay, this is a, a versus. I'm going on a cleanse. By the way, is Pops on the phone? By the way, I did. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, we just got. Oh, okay. Him. So no, I think it's been out there for a while. So I'm not going to go into that drive oh, about okay. Facebook. So Pops, welcome in. Pops, hi, Pops. Hi, guys. How you doing? We're good. We're good. How are you? Did you see uh, or hear about the? Well, you obviously didn't see. You were calling the game, but did you hear the love that uh, West Durham and Dan Bonner had for you and Paul? Yeah, you know it's funny. Somebody sent me a screenshot. And as part of the screenshot, as they always do, they have the score across the bottom. And that, that's that the part of the game where Louisville was down like 25. And I was like, oh, definitely. They were definitely looking to fill some stuff there. <laughs> looking around the arena. Let's put them on. All right, and hey, here's an interesting story about the Clemson Tiger. Because it looked like it was going to be a 40-point blowout at that point. So I was glad they did it. It was very nice. So very, very nice to get a little TV time for Paul and I. Well, Louisville had uh, nobody um, in their backcourt for a little while and only six scholarship players, and they still managed to cut it uh, to four. I know there's not a lot of uh, things to celebrate and blah, blah, blah. We don't do moral victories and everything like that. But well, what did you make of the, the under undermanned cards uh, heroic comeback there? Well, there's so many thoughts. I was, you know, we didn't get in until almost 4 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's the, the airport is about an hour from Clemson and it just takes forever, and they won't start make sure I'm not complaining. We had a charter flight. It's nice to get home the same night, but there's no way I was getting in today. And so, uh, I, you know, but I was so – I almost wanted to come in because I have so many thoughts. I could not stop thinking about the game and the storylines, and this is what I have. And take it for what it's worth. It is just, a, you know, one host's, one analyst's uh, commentary. But this is what I've, I've kind of away from because the questions are – how do they get their ass absolutely handed to them for you know, 15 minutes at a time and then outscore a team, what was it, 33-11 or something? Same team, same team, same game, same arena, same night, arguably fewer players because they had guys getting foul trouble. How does that happen? And we've seen it over and over again. We saw it against North Carolina when they, they looked like they were dead in the water and then they came back and had a chance to win. Let me start with a superficial answer that's part of it. Okay. Part of it is human nature. The opponent, if you were in the building last night, you could tell Clemson thought the game was over. I mean, I'll be honest. If you listen to Paul and I, we thought the game was over. I mean, it was just like, let's get, let's don't foul. Let's just get on the plane so we can get home. It, and you had no, but that's part of my discussion later on, by the way, is you had no reason to think the game was going to change dramatically. There was no, so Clemson. You know, they kind of let, they did. They wouldn't consciously say it, but they kind of let their foot off the gas. Carolina did, and, and Louisville, to their credit, you know, did come back. Now, having said that, let me, I don't know, who did the postgame show last night? Ethan uh, Moore. Ethan Moore. Yeah, I love Ethan. Ethan goes to my church, but he was harsh. I don't know if he's directing it at me and Paul, maybe the TV guys, maybe both of us, but uh, he was talking about, I'm sick of hearing to celebrate these players for, like, their, their, their determination or whatever. But I got news for you. They do deserve credit for that. Because when they were down 24, and, and everybody, I, I, I think you're, if you listen to the game, you heard me tell the story. This is true. Give you an idea about how bad it was. They, they brought, we broadcast from not the court level, upstairs, which is, 
by Clemson's choice. I don't know. Their radio guys requested to be put up there, so we're side-by-side side with them. So it's not like they're giving us the shaft. We're up there very high, but we're also up there with a lot of the high-profile fans. In other words, we're, we're, we're amidst the, the, the seats where, you know, the people have a wait, wait, waitress, waiter service at the table. Right. You know, they have – okay, so it's a pretty big deal. So at halftime – I'm still sitting there. Paul's already walked out to the corridor, and I'm sitting still at the table. And a guy walks up and hands me ten dollars. Says, "Excuse me." I said, "What?" He said, "When the waitress—I didn't realize there was a waitress, but then I, you know, when he said that, I looked around and realized what was going on." He said, "When the waitress comes back, will you tip her?" I said, "What do you want me to tip her for?" He said, "Well, we're leaving." <laughs> he said, "We're not going to stay the second half of this. We're going. We're going to go. Please just give her this tip." He said, "I trust you." I said, thank you. I thought about, you know, stuffing it in my shirt, but no, I didn't. So, but I mean, that's the point. That's how it was. It was at halftime, the, the place started to empty. And so by the, when Louisville made that comeback, the building was probably at two-thirds emptied already because everybody thought the game was over. Okay, so what's that got to do with my, my theory here? This is the best I can come up with because there's, you know, when you see games, and I've done a lot of games and coached a lot of games, there frequently is – for lack of a better word, a turning point, that the game was going this way and then something happened. The team started to press. I know the other team was, was looked like they weren't prepared for it. They started turning to turn the ball over. Or they started playing zone and they had trouble with the zone. Or they put a guy in who's rarely used and the guy said he's going to, you know, seize the moment he comes in. He makes like three threes in a row. And you go, all right. And the, then the game gets turned on its ear. I've seen that happen a lot. That never happens with this team. I don't understand. I really don't understand how it goes from jet misery to their dominating with nothing of substance changed. They don't change their with how they're playing. They stayed man to man. They played zone a couple of possessions, but that didn't do it. They don't really press. They don't really change their lineup. They don't have enough players to go deep into the bench. It's the same guys on the same court against the same opponent in the same arena on the same night, and they look like two completely different teams. And this may sound damning, but the only thing I can think is anybody who's listening, um, you know, who's ever played blackjack, okay, you know there are certain principles in blackjack that you're supposed to follow. You know, you don't you don't hit against the dealer sixteen. You you don't you don't split tens. There's a bunch of things, all right. And and if you're the last seat on a blackjack table. They really get mad, the other players, if that guy doesn't know what to do. Because if he takes a card that the, the book says he shouldn't take, and it's a card that would have made the dealer bust, oh, the other four people throw their hands up and they're all pissed off. All right, but every once in a while, especially if you're playing at a very low, like you go to Vegas, they, have, they used to have $3 tables. I mean, those people are just playing having fun. And there's somebody there who barely knows how to play. And they are doing crazy crap. And every once in a while, though, They'll hit a string of winning hands doing stuff that makes no sense. They're, they're, they're hitting a 17, and they get a 3. They, they're, they're, they're splitting 10s, and they get, you know, two aces. They, and, and all of a sudden, their pile grows, and you're shaking your head saying, not, they don't have a system. They, don't even, they, don't have a, they really have nothing they're committed to. They don't have a system. But for a short couple of hands, they're making money. As I said, I, I don't mean to sound too harsh, but that's, Louisville's team. They don't really, you can't hang their hat on anything that they're doing. You don't say that they are, other than trying to drive the ball, we hear that all the time. But they don't have a system. If you have a system, that's how anybody who, you know, gambles or that's in sports or anything, 
you, you try and ride it out for the long haul. You say, all right, I'm committed to these principles. This is what I'm going to do. And over the long haul, Virginia is the walking proof of that. They do what they do. And they try and do it for 40 minutes, and they try and do it for 32 games. And over the long haul, they think they'll have more success than they won't if they don't allow. They only send one guy to the offensive glass. They don't let you drive the ball. They, they, they are very careful with the basketball. They, at the expense of playing fast, they don't turn the ball over. All those things they do, they're going to do. And it's, it's that way every game. And a system. It's hard to say who's got a system. You don't, and, and so what happens is last night, he's got a team where his whole front court's in foul trouble. They have no guards, but it, it, they still can play because for a short time they were hitting 17s and getting fours, splitting 10s and getting aces, and all of a sudden the whole thing turns around. But in the big picture, there's no system to hang your hat on. And so that's why, it, because as I said, almost every other time when you see a game makes a turn like that, you can point to this is, oh, this was the momentum turn. I mean, a perfect example I, it, Brad Brown, to his credit, recognized it before many did. He called timeout when it got to 14. Then none of us really thought the game had changed there, but we came back from commercial, and Paul said on the air, if you go back and listen to it, he said, it's crazy. He said, they're only down 14. It feels like it's way more than that, which it did. But it was only 14, and you looked at how much time was left, and you had to say, you know, if you didn't know how they got here, you'd have to say, yeah, they got a chance. And they did have a chance. Then Clemson, they started getting too casual, kid through the backward pass to, to uh, uh, out of bounds to the kid on the sideline. They were, they thought the game was over. And to Louisville's credit, whether, you know, uh, uh, um, he wants to talk about it in the postgame show or not, the kids showed determination. They were still clapping their hands and trying, and they got back in it. But there's no system to hang your hat, which brings us back to Kenny. Because in the postgame, if you listen to the post-game interview, I mean, I'm not being critical, but I said to, to Paul, it almost sounds like he won. I mean, he was so excited about what they did, it was, almost sounded like they won the game. But I realize now, and again, you don't have to like it, I'm just trying to give you an observation, that this is really what his main driving force as a coach is. It is individually seeing guys change, seeing guys develop in areas that he knows are important. And he's right, they are important. That's why Julius Randle will say, the guy saved my career. That's why you see a Brandon Hundley Hatfield come back as a different player this year. That's why, as much as I have been so critical of Trey, he had a really good game last night because Kenny doesn't give up on him. That's why when he has no point guard, even though he bounced it off his foot twice, he will convince Mike James, you can go play that position, and the kid goes out and does it. Because individually, he's really good at connecting, and he's really good at getting them to see more of themselves maybe than they do. And that's a tremendous skill, and that's what he's committed to. That is the single driving force of why he coaches. He does not, I don't think, place a lot of emphasis on game management. Um, The X's and O part of it, it's not like what they're doing is stupid, and I don't mean to offend him, but there's been late-game situations they don't have a play for. They late shot clock, they don't have a play for. They just they go out and play. He trusts that their development is going to continue, and they're, eventually he's going to have five players that are really, really strong, and that's going to be enough to win games. And he's good at that. I mean, I'm sorry, you may not like it, but he's good at that. He's got Huntley Hadfield at a whole different level. Whether he was good last night or not, He's a different player. Randall's a different player. What he's doing with Trey has been really, really good. 
Last night, he had guys in situations they had no business being in, but he's convincing them that they can succeed there, and they make a comeback against a, a pretty good team on the road. That's what his strength is, but it's frustrating if you're a fan because you don't see a system. You don't see a guy who goes, you know, you, if you have a system, it doesn't mean you're going to win every time you go to the roulette wheel or the crap table or the blackjack table, but you have, if you, somebody's watching, they would say, oh, I know what he's doing. He's trying to do this. He's running, he's going to take maximum odds on a pass line bet. He's going to place the six, place the eight, and he's going to be patient and see if he can get, okay. But when you come in and he's, you know, they're, they're hitting 17s, they're splitting, they're splitting, I don't know, splitting tens, they're, they, you know, they're, they're, they're doubling on, on, I don't know, 17. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But sometimes it falls into place and then you get a good run. And that's the only thing I can take away from last night because there's no thing you can hang your hat on where, oh, he put in Curtis Williams, for example, and Curtis came in and bam, bang, 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 made three threes in a moment. It wasn't that at all. It was they just, to their credit, they they did keep digging. They haven't quit on this guy, and they're playing hard, and they deserve credit for that. And he's very good at doing the individual side of the development. But as for a system and a style, you, you just don't see it. And because of that, you'll get games where they can go down 20 and then outscore the other team by 22 and, and all in the same night. And, um, you know, that's, that's the only – because I can't analyze it any other way. Because I talked to Dan Bonner on the way out. He said the same thing. He said, I'm sitting there – this is Bonner talking now. He said, I'm sitting there watching this whole game completely turn on tier, and I'm looking, and, and Louisville's got all their front court players either fouled out or in foul trouble and no point guard. Now, who, who the hell makes a run with that? <laughs> but they did. So, I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. So that is my, after a long time on the flight, thinking about it, and this morning when I got up, this afternoon when I got up, thinking about it, that's the best I got because that's uh, – you know that's all you can do as an analyst, and I don't think I'm a bad analyst, but that's uh, that's what I got. I can't I can't put my finger on any other basketball related thing that would have made that game go from what an embarrassment to almost that would have been one of the best comebacks in the history of Homer. I mean, right? <laughs> it's just it's it's very very difficult to explain. Very very difficult to explain. I mean, th- does is there any catalyst to it where they're so inept? They're trailing by so much that, I mean, they kind of catch the other team sleeping, and that kind of helps jumpstart no, a comeback? I, yeah, I said I think, I think Clemson thought the game was over. I mean, the, 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 literally, if you looked around the arena, at least half the crowd left. It had all the earmarks of, I mean, Paul and I, we're trying not to be disrespectful, but it, it, it's, it's over. They're down 24. They haven't made a shot in forever. Um, they probably, in the first part of the game, missed, literally missed the rim as often as they hit the rim, let alone made any shots. They, I think they were 0 for their first 12 behind the three-point line. They, I mean, they were completely being – I've talked about this a lot. They, they don't play against the opponent as much as they play against themselves. And it's almost irrelevant who they – like, here's, a, here's another perfect example of what I'm talking about. This is perfect. When we, if you do analysis, like a real analysis, you would say to yourself, here's where they may have a problem tonight. This is a really good rebounding Clemson team. I mean, they got those two front court kids who almost averaged 10 rebounds a game, and they out-rebound their opponents by between six and a half and seven rebounds a game. And Louisville's playing undersized. My God, I hope they just hang, hang in there rebounding. They killed them on the glass. Killed them. I mean, what was the final margin? They out-rebounded them by like 20. And in the first half, they had 15 offensive rebounds. Clemson had none. How do you explain that? It would be different even if I said, all right, well, I went – 
and practice, they talked about rebounding, 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 but they didn't. That's, I mean, not that they didn't do important stuff. They were talking about how to defend P.J. Hall and stuff, but they didn't you know, do the things that then translate on the floor. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to get a handle on where the development is coming collectively because you just don't see the system. You got, they're, they're splitting tens. They're <laughs> doubling down on 18. <laughs> it's just, but, they, you know, they got double down on, I don't know, double down on 16 and got a five. And, you know, okay, great. But it's going to be hard to maintain that. But individually, they're making progress. They, there's no question. I mean, they are individually – they, I mean, listen, good example is his son. People got all over the kid. He gave him de- decent minutes last night. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job blocking down that uh, that one dude. Zan did some good things. I mean, so, you know, individually, he is able to connect. They just, they haven't been able to put it into a cohesive unit. And, and I don't know if, they, if and when they will, because I don't see that guy with a system at the crap table or at the, at the blackjack table. I, I, don't, I don't see that yet. And so that's why it's hard to explain. Like I said, if you play Virginia and they're getting beat, and then all of a sudden they come out and the game turns, very 99% of the time you'll be able to point to something that's part of their system. All right, they, they adjusted their pack line defense, and you know they were giving up drives, which is so atypical for them. But then they got back to what they do, or you know they gave up a couple of fast break baskets. They never do that. And they got back to doing what they did. But what did you see? I mean, they made some shots, but I didn't see any other <laughs> significant adjustments that they made. So it's very difficult to understand. Like, I, I don't know what the hell you'll get Saturday. That's the thing. You don't know. I even asked Kenny that. I said, how do you carry it over? And he doesn't really have an answer either. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. No, I just I, I do kind of wonder that. I mean, if they could just eliminate that massive gap. Well, there's always that you talk about segment story scoring. There's always that like one to two segment part of the game where they just get their doors blown off. They get boomed basically. But like the other, but they, I, I just if there's a way they could just eliminate that, I feel like then, as Eric Crawford said, then when they go on their massive run, they're not clawing all the way back. They're actually extending a lead. I just I don't understand how how they can just neutralize that or at least stop the bleeding. Does that need to be like? Something that they need to emphasize in practice or something, yeah, but just, well, just an ability to stop the bleeding. They do emphasize it. He's calling timeouts. He's trying to get the stop and come out and run a set. They did a nice job, Clemson. He called timeout. He drew up a play. They came out. Clemson went zone. And they couldn't run the play because they, now they're playing zone, and they didn't handle it very well. I don't know if they even got a shot off. It was, it was a bad shot. And so they, they didn't get the momentum stopped there. But to your point, my segment scoring, there's – Ten segments in a game, five each half between the four-minute timeouts. The last two segments of the first half, the first two segments of the second half, they got outscored by five, by five, by six, and by six. Means in those four segments, they got outscored by twenty-two points, and that's the game. I mean, that's that's so that's your point. But I don't know. Uh, now, after that, I, I do believe that Clemson, from about the I don't know. Eight nine minute mark in the second half, whatever they they thought the game was over. They didn't sub. They didn't play their scrub. They had their starters. I was going to say, yeah. So they're, they're, they've got very much more nonchalant than Louisville. To the kids' credit, they kept they got much. I watched Mike James. He's clapping his hands. He's talking to his teammates. They kept trying, and they deserve credit for that. I'm sorry, you can get as mad as you want to, but they deserve credit that they are still determined. Uh, Ethan could get mad if they we give them credit for that, but they deserve credit for that. The kids kept trying. 
Pretty easy. When they got down 24, it would have been easy. They said, all right, break this one off. Let's get, let's get the hell out of here and try it again Saturday. But they kept digging. So, but but you're right. It's 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 in it's inexplicable. That's I'm trying to explain the unexplainable. So I'm doing the best I can because I don't. The only thing I said is I do believe the reason he was so excited after the game is he saw some significant individual development from guys, and that's his. That's the thing that's at the core of what he does. He was excited about that. He saw them. You know, he told, he said to me. You know, I told Mike James, you know, you work too hard on ball handling over the summer. If I need you to play point tonight, you aren't going to play the point. And, then, and the kid bounced it off his foot twice. He's not a point guard. But that's kids. You do like that when somebody believes in you. And and it pays off when you see. I mean, Trey was so bad defensively. He's trying harder. He's still not a great defender. But he's, he's trying harder. And he was really good offensively uh, last night. And so, you know, with, with shorthanded, individually he saw them. And he saw them rebound like banshees. You know, that's that's a sign of fight and determination. And so he saw that from some guys. So he was happy about that because that's at the core of what he's really committed to is individually. And, and that's a great skill. As I said, Julius, Julius Randle has come out and publicly thanked him for his resurgence in his career. That's not uh, anything insignificant. But um, I know as fans, you, get, you want to hear, what about this adjustment, this, you know, the, the way they play still – is it bothers me. I mean, they when when Clemson took that big lead, go watch the film again. They let them when they start getting behind, they let the other team pass the ball anywhere they want, anywhere they yeah. want to. It's un, it's unopposed, and so of course they're going to get good shots. And then they get good shots from exactly the players they want where they want, and the, this five point lead goes to nine, and then twelve, and and now you're in a gigantic hole again. And that's that's. You know, that's what we talk about, the commitment to the system. I don't care if Virginia misses 25 shots in a row. They come down, they are going to be defending your ass and not letting you drive the ball in the lane. And so it gives them a chance to get it back on the rails. Louisville, they, they, they get very discouraged at, at, at those points, and, they, and, and they, don't, they don't have something that they hang their hats on that they're going to play through. And that's why I think you see it get some of these wild swings. But, but as I said, at the core of what he's committed to, the individual development of guys, he saw things he liked last night, and that's why he sounded upbeat after the game, even though fans are probably saying, why the hell do you sound so happy? You just got beat again. But, again, that's the, that's the unusual situation that is going on with this team right now. Did, what were your thoughts on the technical? We were, we were doing the, the, the sidecast. We were doing the watch-along on uh, ESPN Louisville Plus last night, and we were like, I think that's the first technical he's ever had um, in his tenure yeah, here. I don't, at, I don't think he – yeah, Paul and I said that. I, we didn't remember him getting another one. Um, I know he was pretty pissed off about the officials even after the game. I mean, he's smart enough not to say anything publicly because you're going to get fined and whatever. But I know he was mad. Uh, about uh, the way the game was officiated. We were so far away. That's when you're up high. You can't, you know, there's an advantage to being up there and a disadvantage. The advantage is nobody's in front of you. You know, we're on courtside. After the game, to be honest, a secret here inside baseball, we wound up announcing it from the monitor because you can't even see because he's standing right in front of you and your referee's right in front of you. You're up top. That's not a problem. But I had no idea what he was saying to him. I just know he was in his ear. I mean, you didn't see that. He was in the guy's ear. I think he wanted a technical, to be honest with you. I think he was trying to get one. So, um, you know, but I, I don't. But I, I just know he was He was not pleased with the officiating. I'll believe it that. Do you think that helped catalyze the, the comeback a little bit? It kind of got, got the guys so, riled up? Because, 
I don't think so because we, it wasn't right after that that they made a run, was it? I, 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 I'm I, trying to I, remember. I don't think so, but I think it was towards the end of Clemson's run. Well, like I said, I, I'm not being rude, but I think that they let off the gas a little bit. Um, let me let me take a look here at the play-by-play and see when that happened and uh, find it real fast if I can. I can get this uh, phone to get into it. There's men's basketball, and there's the scores from yesterday. And then we go to the play-by-play of the game. It's, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right, here we go. It's uh, There we go. When do, do you remember? When, I'm trying to remember where it was. I think they were. I, I thought it was early in the game, wasn't it? Like still in the first half. Yeah, well, it was in the first half, but I thought it yeah, was so after I mean, so, the after uh, so Clemson they, went on that they run. Didn't start, they didn't start making their run until after halftime. I mean, it was still that halftime. It looked over in the first. They told me they got outscored by ten the first two segments of the second half. So, no. And the short answer to your question is no. I don't think that had anything to do with it. To be honest with you. Well, this is something that I, I want to get your thoughts on, and I, I know you know we have the moratorium on on the coach, uh, the, the you know the next coaching hire and everything. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to necessarily ask that, but something that we were kind of bantering around on the sidecast last night. Um, is there a path that you could see Kenny Payne earning himself a third job or a third year here? I mean, they, they do have some winnable games down the stretch. You make a little you know, splash on the recruiting trail. I mean, everyone's already talking about the, you know, who's the next coach is going to be. It's still something that people just, you know, like moths to flames can't stay away from. We've talked about it on on the show today. Um, But at the same time, I mean, there are some winnable games down the stretch. The team is, there's evidence the team isn't giving up. Um, Is there something or that, that, that can be done or is it just rearranging deck chairs on a Titanic? Let me tie up a loose end before you get a million texts. The technical is in the second half was early in the second half. It was in the first segment of the second half. Oh, okay, okay. That 17-31 to play. And right after the technical, uh, Clemson outscored them. Uh, wow, they outscored them by a lot. They outscored them, I think, two, four. Let me see. I'm going to do the math real fast here. It was that the technical foul, it was uh, 39-23. So it was 16. So they outscored them by eight after that. So, no, how could you say that the technical inspired them? They went from down 16 to down 24. So, um, before, before anybody goes losing their mind, yes, it was in the second half, but no, I don't think that was the catalyst. Is there any way he could come back? That's that's a question that is uh, has too many layers for me to be qualified to answer, and it's not like I'm sidestepping it. It's I don't know what the money situation is. you got to have the money to make changes. Uh, I don't know who they get. Um I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the season. Let's just say wildest of dreams that they play uh, three straight games where for 40 minutes they play like they played that stretch against Clemson and Carolina. Would you say that they made some progress? Yeah, you would. Who knows? You know. So if that were going on, if all of a sudden they did that, would you then at the end of the year say, no, we still got to make a change? I, I think that everybody who's so sure that they're going to make a change is is, is you know pretty much – of the belief that, well, that's not going to happen. And that that's fine. I'm not here to argue for or against or anything. I told you that's not my job. I'm not, I'm not, they don't consult me on personnel decisions at the university. But, but, um, it's, it would take a lot, to be honest. That's all I'd say. I mean, it would have to be from dramatic, like, you know, games like 40 minutes of that where they outscored them by, uh, what was they, they were down 24 and they cut it to 40. They outscored them by 20. They did the same thing to Carolina. I mean, a whole game like that. 
you know, and, and not one game, because they did, you know, they had a great game against Miami, too, but where they string a few of those together, and that's why people are pessimistic, is when you watch them, even if you are a wildly optimistic fan, you just, you, you don't see a likely scenario where they do that. You, 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 know, you, you see, at best, a game like this, where, you know, they have ups and downs, and you just hope that the ups are enough to, to get them over the hump, maybe. Uh, like Miami, they got off to a great start, and that, that made all the difference. They really have had a hard time getting off to any kind of starts. So, um, you know, I, I, I just, I, yes, is it possible? Yes. How? I, I couldn't tell you specifically. I don't know the money situation. I don't know, you know, how good they'd have to be if they played, you know, really competitive games but lost them. That, that's not going to be enough, probably, but it's a, it's a far cry from these games. Every game they're down like 20, I mean, and, and down 20 early. So, um, you know, I, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, uh, pops, we appreciate the time. Um, I, I know you had a late night last night, so I appreciate you carving out some time to join us today. Uh, you'll be back in the saddle hopefully tomorrow and, uh, yeah. I'll see you at parlor later tonight. I hope so. Um, two things. One, I, you know, fans may not want to hear this, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's amazing. Hands down the two friendliest basis fan bases in the country that I see on a regular basis. And I don't want to say, you know, like Utah State. I don't know. I don't go out there. But the Clemson fans are the nicest fans. I swear to God. It's, it's almost disarming. It's almost like, are they trying to con us? They just, they say, they all say hello. You know, their announcers say, well, they recognize you and your, your, your brother. I don't think so. They, that's just how they are. I mean, I'm walking in the corridor and everybody says hello to each other. It's just, it's like Notre Dame, where they would say, welcome to Notre Dame, you know, and then go out and try and kick your ass. So I, I, and I said to Paul, maybe it's because, in fairness, they don't care about basketball as much as they do football. Paul said, no, they're the same way in football. So I, they deserve, you know, maybe you don't like that. Maybe you want your fan base to be ugly and disgusting. And But they are, it's just, they're a pretty classy bunch. i got to tell you that. Welcome uh, to Clemson. <laughs> Did you go to Moe's? Uh, no, we didn't go anywhere. The, the, Great, best sweet tea I've ever had at, at Moe's Diner uh, on on the Clemson campus. It was fantastic. No, we were, I was busy. I worked yesterday. I did the show. You remember? I was on with you. Remember? Yeah, I know, but I wasn't sure if you guys had like a little bit of time. And next time yeah. you're there, go to. Well, what's the place you guys always go to? It's a, what Syracuse Di- uh, Dinosaur Barbecue. I don't know what the hell you're even talking about. It, Alabama has a, a barbecue place that everybody knows, which is uh, oh, what the hell's the name? All the announcers know it. Uh, it's in it's in Tuscaloosa, very famous. It's so famous I can't remember the name. Uh, <laughs> it's Yogi Berra esque. It's called Dreamland. Dreamland Barbecue. Dreamland Barbecue. Well, ask ask Paul about a uh, dinosaur barbecue. I think I think it's in Syracuse, but I'm not sure. But I just wasn't sure if you if there was like a spot. Right goes to Syracuse for barbecue. I don't know, but I swear I thought it was Syracuse. Yeah, the Dino's the- Barbecue, I think, is it's like a famous barbecue place that's up it there. It is in Syracuse. I right? believe it's I in think Syracuse. It is, yeah. Kearns told me when when Nick Kern does the the bats traveling, he's at a mall food court or this this barbecue place in Syracuse. He's talked to me about it for years. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Dinosaur Barbecue, Willow Street, Syracuse. It's a fantastic review and rating, and the people love it. And I never heard of it before. Of course, Syracuse is the place I got thrown up on, if you remember. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Forgot about that so, story. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, they're friendly fans, too, by the way, usually. What it's worth. Um, 
But the Clemson fans are amazing. I swear, it's almost like they're all on drugs. They're so, they're, I mean, they're so like Soma in, in Brave New World. They just walk, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Like, Damn. <laughs> Do you know why? I'm like, I don't know you. No, I'm just saying hello. Thanks for being here. Okay, great. Before uh, you get hey. out of here, what are the top five friendliest, top five worst fan bases? Very hard. Top three. Very well, well, there's going to be a problem because um, they treat you differently when you're in the media. Like, I know Louisville fans will correctly probably talk about how obnoxious the West Virginia fans are. They're supposed right. to be, like, at the top. But if you're a media person, they treat you like you, you're you royalty. So it's hard for me to say that. They got the Jerry West hospitality room. It's a great meal. They're, can I get you anything? Do you need anything? You got all the information? So it's hard for me to relate to when they show up there and you know six year old kids are flipping you the bird. I don't, <laughs> you know that's that's a different thing. I don't know. Um, and the Syracuse fans are pretty cool. The 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 Notre Dame fans are pretty cool. The Kansas fans are pretty cool. They 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 appreciate their history and their tradition. Um, that that's pretty that's pretty nice. A little eerie when they go into that rock chalk Jayhawk thing. That is uh, if if you're not. If you're not from there, as they say, and you look at that, and the whole crowd is is waving like they're supposed to be doing the things of wheat. That's what they're doing with their arms. They're swaying in the wind, and they're but the saying makes no sense. And all of a sudden, I don't know what the signal is when they do it, and they go from cheering to rock, chuck, jay. Oh my God, it's really strange. So that's weird. That's that's a weird one. Um, I don't know. I can't go beyond that. I don't know. The, the, because, again, we're spoiled. The, the, like some, like the SID. The SID, Kenny Klein, I've always said, is was like the best idea in the history of the world. And uh, Zach is carrying on the tradition. He's great. The, but there are some others that are great also. The guy at Florida State, Chuck Walsh, is unbelievable. He is. He calls you during the week. What he'll tell you staying at. He drops off information for you. Uh, I mean, they, they, so, you know, it's hard for me to do to, to, to Think badly. I don't know what goes on if you when you go play Florida State. Maybe their fans are obnoxious. I don't know. I don't go as a as a, sitting in the in the bleachers with the fans. I'm dealing with the professionals. They they there's a lot of really there's a lot of people who get it. You know, they really do get it. The guy at North Carolina is really good. Um, he's a he's very very uh, professional and, and helpful. Um, the, the SIDs man, they make a lot of difference. They they really they they are the front porch. Of the athletic department, they're the ones that you know. You, when you're professionally, not as fans. I mean, the fans don't have probably anything to do with the SIDs. But when you're coming in from the outside, um, they are the front porch, and they're the first pe- people you meet. Your impression comes from them a lot. And Louisville was lucky because Kenny was worldly celebrated as one of the best, and Zach is carrying on the tradition just fine. Thank you. Well, pops, appreciate the time. Uh, see you at parlor tonight. Oh. Um, and we're doing it on the air. What the hell? It's payday, so we'll bring my check, will you? <laughs> yeah, I'll grab that. <laughs> I want you to get it. Now, listen, I want you to get it after the show, put it in your pocket, and then do not take it out until you see me, because Phil will appreciate this. We play Find the Check frequently after I ask you to pick it up. Me. Oh, it's in my backpack. That's oh, on my desk. That's oh, in the trunk of my car. Oh, it's vacationing in the Bahamas right now. I mean, it's just I never see it for months. Stick it in your pocket. Don't touch it until you see me today. Okay, I'll tape it on him. Yeah, there we go. That'll work. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks. Good All job. Right. Bye, Pops. Love you. Bye. Love you, too. All right.
That was fun stuff from Pops there. All right, we are woefully late for a break. We'll take a bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll read a couple texts to close out the show. It's a Wednesday edition of uh, The V Show, ESPN 680, 105.7. It's Bob Balvano, and you're listening to ESPN 680 and 105.7. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. More V-Show with Bob Valvano is now right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. V-Show rolling along here on ESPN 680, 105.7, Wednesday edition. It is We Want to Know Wednesday. So without further ado, very quickly, we will get our intrepid interns, intern cowboy, intern gauger to share their We Want to Know Wednesday facts of the day. We want to know Wednesday. We want to know Wednesday. All right, what do we got? Intern cowboy up first. So we got a football one, and I found this surprising. An Alabama draft pick has never scored in the Super Bowl before. Huh. What? That is wild. The more you know right there. That, that that's is, actually that a really is good a one. Usually one. I nod my head in agreement and try to give the positive reinforcement like that's a good one that I actually care about. Yeah. I actually cared about that yeah, one. That, that that's was, a nice little tidbit That right was there. very surprising. All the other ones have been fake. Good work out of you, intern cowboy. All right, what do we got, Gager? So today is January 31st, and it is also International Zebra Day. International Zebra Day promotes the conservation of zebras and their natural habitats. One of those natural habitats happens to be on the field, on the ice, on the court for our zebras. So if you're watching a a game tonight, uh, just so you know, it's uh, International Zebra Day. If you want to show some of the officials a little respect, that's the day to do it. I have a soft spot for like the Louisville that. Zoo in stopping by the zebras. So, again, you guys are two for two, and that's not me just doing uh, the fake nice or not in my head in agreement like Lieberman says. They're like, uh-huh, move on to the next one. Those yeah, are right. good right no, there. No, those were good. Good job. Uh, by the way, uh, we Tanner, Wednesdays? ask them how many people they sent the YouTube invite to because just so far, we got to get the likes and subscribes up on the CSP oh, and Louisville Plus. I got 20. 20? Okay. The goal is the 500 by COB. Close to business. Close to business. I got the last one. On this day in sports history, in 2000, linebacker Ray Lewis is involved in a fight resulting in the deaths of something Baker and Richard Lawyer. 11 days later, the charges were dropped. It was either that or... Boy. (laughs) It was either that or... It was a question for you guys. On um, 2010 Pro Bowl, the AFC beat the NFC 41-34. Do you guys know who the MVP was of that Pro Bowl? What year was Ooh, this? That's a good one. 2010. Good 2010. You won't get it. The MVP of the Pro Bowl. Boy. Uh, Is it, was it a skill position? QB. He was known for being kind of good for like three years and getting paid by another uh, team. Jamarcus Russell. No. No, that was way. Jamarcus Russell way, never made I know, anything. I know, yeah. but I'm just... 
that that's the joke. It was really good for like three years and then getting paid by another team. Jay Cutler. Oh, that was a good guess. That right is now. a good guess. Matt but, Schaub. Houston oh, yeah. oh, Texans wow. QB. Philip Rivers. All right, yeah. So, wow, Matt Schaub. All right. Little we want to know Wednesday. Big Ten. fan of the – you should have went out on top with the Ray Lewis death one. That was a pretty good one. You just I, I don't know. I, I felt the vibe that you guys were like, oh, that was kind of depressing. Well, <laughs> yeah, it kind of was because we went from like a, a fun fact about the Super Bowl to zebras to, hey, uh, like a long time ago, Ray Lewis killed a guy. Today. Hey, 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 and, hey, like, hey, 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 charges like, were dropped. Charges were dropped, but it was just was like, damn, dude. Like, <laughs> you win a Super Bowl. Anything's I, possible. I love Ray Lewis, but Sick. met him once. He is a big man. Isolate all of that because I think that can be used. Uh, by the way, I get my buddies probably monthly with a D's nuts joke, and I use the Ray Lewis fire, um, you know, sliding back and forth yeah. emoji. It's one of my favorite things I do. Nice. There I, you go. I'm on a Reddit theme uh, uh, thread where I just try to find new creative ways to set my buddies up. It's actually a lot of fun. No, it's it's the little things. Speaking <laughs> about things. Ravens defense, though, their defensive coordinator just accepted the head coaching job yes. for the Seahawks today. Thank for you a for six I'm, year deal. The late report. I'm telling you. I know. There's I, something there. The late report. I, like, I meant to mention that, actually. You did. I saw. Oh, I did. I did you say it on You mentioned it on the air. I did say it on the air? Yes. Didn't you? No. Like, I was looking at it. I meant to say it. I think I said it to you. Oh, off okay. Air. So well, that's the problem. Yeah. I, and I, I, I don't think I ever actually said it on the air. But yeah, I saw that. So, uh, I mean, Ravens had, like, statistically the best defense in the league. So we'll see if maybe uh, Legion of uh, Boom 2.0 um, will happen. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see there. Four three seven nine six eighty UPS jobs text line. Um, a texter says Gage sounds twelve. Uh, I don't think he does. I think he got a nice voice, Gage. Stater <laughs> um, <laughs>, laughs. Uh, we want an Olympics, as this person always says. Um, so that is one of those things. Like if you think that during the if you click it, Tanner, and instead of well, we want to know Wednesday, you think we want an Olympics, you'll hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those things, like. Like they'll give you a list of things and you read it and, you know, you'll hear the different phrases as it's playing, you know, something like that. Um, four, three, seven, nine, six, eighty. Uh, I understand what Bobby V is saying, but they're 10 and 43. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I, I just don't, I think that that number alone, um, speaks to why it's going to be a long stretch for there to be a, uh, a, a season number uh, three under Kenny Payne. This texture guessed Brock Osweiler. That's what I was going to guess, and then I remember 2010. That 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 time frame did not uh, did not match up. I mean, that fits with the hint, though. Played a f- yeah. couple good games, and couple then was like, games. I'm going to go get 75 million dollars from the Texans. Get tons of money, and then just suck. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, a couple of closing shots. Something I saw that was really cool. Did you see the Ole Miss towel boy? Yes, I, I did. thought that was really neat. I, li- I, li- I like college sports when when college sports are fun and doing silly things. And the uh, the hyped up uh, towel boy for uh, Ole Miss was pretty cool. I like the uh, balloons that the, the 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 staff or the the student section, I should say, was having some fun with the the, the yeah, objects. They were, they were trying to. It looked like a giant thing of goldfish poop. Like it was this long like string, and like it was like I said that on the sidecast last night. Like share, subscribe, ESPNLouisville.com um, or ESPN Louisville Plus on uh, on YouTube. But I thought that was a creative idea. I thought that was fun. I, I'm fascinated too with this LeBron James endorsing. Draft Thank you for games. bringing that up. I, That's uh, crazy to me. Like it's it, not like a big, but the NFL. It, and I understand he's sharing like his NFL picks, but like the NFL's like suspended players. Yeah, and find him a ton of money for this. Is it's, is he the first major athlete endorser that is still active? Because like the only one, uh, the other, uh, the first one that comes to mind is Gronk with FanDuel, but yeah. he's obviously retired. Like. 
I think LeBron might be the first major endorser that is an active athlete. Yeah, that I can Bet think MGM of. has Jamie Foxx, Gronk and FanDuel. I'm trying to think some of the other. Bet365 has uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad. Yeah, right. But, I mean, none of them are active Yo, athletes. parlay. <laughs> Mr. White. I can't say the other word, though. Well, it's funny because you get Gus Johnson, you strike me more as a Jesse Pinkman. I'll take that. Well, uh, what was it? Uh, Shane P- uh, Pinto or something on the Ottawa Senators? He gets suspended for half the season and then comes back, gets an assist, but he has the uh, Bet 99 ad on his helmet. Oh, yeah. That was very funny. I, I did see that. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. By the way, uh, it's not a Santa Claus bet, but I'm taking the Preds uh, plus goal and a half, plus on the puck line tonight against the Kings. That's nice. My, that's my bet of the night. All Using right. an odds boost on BetMGM. Guys, I appreciate it. Will Strebel reenact bringing Sexy back? Find out next. Happy birthday to Timberlake. He's 43. The world's biggest bourbon and music festival.